0: Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life and business. I'm Melissa, your host. Today I am chatting with Courtney Osgood from CKOPR, and we're talking everything about branding, social media, um, basically anything and everything about starting a business during COVID. So this is one that you'll definitely want to listen to because I actually learned a lot from her. So... You know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I am joined by Courtney Osgood. Courtney is amazing. I mean, she just recently moved look, what, about a year ago, a year and a half ago to North Carolina, and your business has been booming ever since. Yeah. So welcome, Courtney, to the show. Tell Thank us a little bit about yourself. That.
1: Uh, Okay, sure. Yeah. So um, like you said, I actually just recently um, relocated to Raleigh from Boston where I spent the last 10 years. Um, And I own CKO PR. It's a boutique lifestyle PR agency centered around media relations, social media marketing, event marketing, well, which is kind of in flux right now, but um, and uh, influencer relations. So that's what I do. I also have a blog myself called Courtesy of Court. Um, I'm recently launching a podcast. I've got a professional and a personal brand. So that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: I love how you you said you have professional and personal because most people that are in public relations have their professional and their personal brands, don't they?
1: Yeah, usually. I mean, it goes hand in hand a lot, especially in the lifestyle space. I mean, you know, for me, it's like my my personal and professional worlds collide all the time. So um, and I have a background in journalism and television. So for me, I love working with my clients, but I feel like there's so many stories to tell that I'm not able to tell. And I just love to do so. So I use my blog as a platform to tell all the other stories and connect with all the other brands that I may not be able to work with on the professional level for whatever reason.
0: Now let's, we we have you on today to talk about starting a business, building your brand and social media. And then we're going to talk about what's up with you because you just said you're launching your podcast, which I actually listened to the trailer earlier and it, it sounds like it's going to be awesome. So let's start talking about building your business. So starting yeah. a business, especially during COVID right now because that's got a lot of people in flux.
1: Yes, it, it really does. But you know what I think, what I've, what I've seen, and I think it's beautiful, is that people are really taking advantage of this time to actually do something. So all the time that we didn't have before, we're finally having now. So honestly, my first piece of advice for someone who is looking to start a business, whether it is on the professional services side, like PR marketing, or whether it's like creating a product, is just literally just do it. Just start. Because I think there's a misconception that people feel like they need to have a huge business plan, a, a ton of money, and every all this investment and ready to go. But like, really, if you just have a dream, and you have an idea, just start putting it into practice. I think people also don't realize how massively big their internal audience already is, like with friends and family and more colleagues. So my first piece of advice is just literally put it out there into the universe. Because I'm telling you, it's way more powerful than you even imagine.
0: Yeah, because I started Chats from the Black Cabin at the beginning of COVID, and I didn't think it was going to take off like it's taken off. And you actually, it really touched me when you reached out to me and told me that you really love what I was doing. And I was like, people are taking notice. That really was like when a light bulb moment went off for me is when you reached out to me.
1: Oh, that's so awesome. I, I mean, I saw this and I was like, this is incredible. And you know what I think I love about you? And I love this is this is like one of those things too. like, especially now with the digital space, just being so hugely popular with our in-persons kind of being limited right now. I think that I mean, just taking advantage of the opportunity and just doing it, because like I, I tell people all the time in the space of like music and things like that, you have to be willing to go on and stream to nobody or one pe- person or two people, right. etc. And a friend of mine. He's a DJ. He's been DJing for years now, and he recently started a Twitch page. And he went from literally ten followers to over like twelve hundred followers in the last like three months. And he just goes every single day, ten AM, just streams. He does what he loves to do, and he's sharing his passion with everybody. And he's already been noticed by some of the biggest DJs literally in the world. Wow! And like it just goes to show you. you just have to be willing to put in that time and energy that it takes, even if you're. Playing to one person or 10 people or 15 people. And it may start out small, but if you love it, it's infectious and people will catch on. And I think that's what you're doing. That's what I see is happening on your end, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about building a brand because obviously I built my brand, Adventures of Frigal Mom, but then I put chats in the blog cabin because a lot of people know me for my blog cabin. But let's talk about people. What, what should they
1: look for when they start building a brand out?
0: Yeah, so I would say
1: I would say first and foremost, find out what you're passionate about. Like, what do you stand for? What's your mission? So make sure when you're going to create something, whatever it is, um, make sure you understand really clearly, like what is your end goal? Like, what do you want? I'm not talking about end goals and like, oh, in the next five years, I want to make ten thousand dollars, whatever. I'm not talking about those goals, but really, what do you want? Who do you want to reach, and what is your mission behind that? Like, is for me on the sort of my personal brand side, the courtesy of court. I want to share stories of entrepreneurs and small business owners and creatives out there because I feel like everybody has a journey and it's never A to Z, right? There's always Mm -hmm. like missteps and you got to go back and you got to go down, you know? And so for me, that's my mission. I really want to share those stories. So I'd say find a clear mission, understand what your goal is, and then also, who's your demographic? Who realistically? Like, sure, we want everybody to listen. We want men, women, old, young, everybody, but realistically, Who's going to be watching or listening or buying your product? And make sure you're really clearly defining your audience. And then I would say put into plan a little, a little, um, you know, put into a a small plan. So achievable goals. I think also we get so um, wrapped up in,
0: oh, I need to be able to do
1: X before I can do Z. And before, you know, but really Mm -hmm. for me, um, when I started my brand, I said to myself, what do I, like, what's a small goal that I want for myself? And it was like, well, I just want to get a client and I want to be happy and I want to be fulfilled. I didn't even have social media pages yet and none of that. I think also another thing people feel like they need to do everything right now Mm -hmm. or they need to invest money they need to get social media champ no find what's going to be the most beneficial for you. For me it was like well I need to make a little bit of money so that I can you know support (laughs) my, my you know my business so first and foremost I was like social media you're going to sit on the back corner I am going to make sure I invest in new business so I was out there networking reaching out to my current network and really finding out and letting everybody know what i'm doing and where anybody's you know world would collide with mine and that's really where i started on that base level
0: so you talk about networking it's kind of hard right now during covid so what do you suggest for people
1: how to network now so you know what's crazy i can't believe i'm even saying this um but it has been a game changer for me so facebook groups so facebook For a while, it was like, is Facebook dying? And then, because like, oh, only the old people are on Facebook now. And you're like, I'm like, well, I've been using it for business for quite some time. And I knew that wasn't the case. And I know there's a lot of younger, the younger generation is not utilizing Facebook as much. But again, who's your target audience, right? Mm -hmm. So- Still, no matter what anybody says, a massive mass, like a majority of people, are still on Facebook. And I think right now, with the current situation that we're in, people are utilizing it even more than they ever have before. And so, I've actually found that Facebook groups—if you literally, there's a group for everything, like knitting or, or nail polish—I'm telling you, put it in the in the search function and things come up and then you find also there's local groups like you and I are part of a local Uh group here in the Raleigh area and like you'd be surprised and even if it's just hey guys I have a question I'm like I'm struggling with you know x y and z and you can crowdsource I'm part of a a Raleigh group here like a just information exchange people are like hey I'm looking for a new you know lawn care company anybody have any recommendations people are constantly shooting out you'd be surprised. I think a lot more people want to help connect others than we even realize. I feel a lot of people are like probably hesitant or they don't want to look stupid or dumb. Oh my gosh. I'm telling you, you put yourself out there, you'd be shocked to see at how many you know people support everybody. So I would say Facebook groups are huge right now when it comes to connection. Um, yeah. That be my number one.
0: I know a lot of people tend to shy away right now with social media because there's so many it's negative, especially with the, yeah. The- yeah the um, voting about ready to take place and all these negative ads from both sides are on there so what do you suggest other than that though
1: well interesting Uh, just to 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 address that i think everyone needs to have a little bit of um more self-discipline because listen yes i see some things on there too and in fact i see some things on there from people that i genuinely really like and i don't agree with and it's like I'm not going to allow this to like get my perception and make my perception different of you or anything. So I just choose, you know, you see that just choose to not not engage with it because there's a real, there's a lot of good that's going on there. So you just mm-hmm. have to choose not to engage. I mean, that's what I would say. But um, on the other side of things, I mean, I would keep an eye out too for, um, Other type of networking groups, again, a lot of them are virtual now, but there's another group that I'm part of, um, Women in Networking, and it was just a quick search that I did when I first moved to the area, and I was just trying to find other entrepreneurs in my local area to connect with. Um, There's all kinds of different groups. There's not just for women, but all kinds of different groups, and now they're virtual, so it's actually kind of easier to join than it was before, because you have to actually go in person each week. Mm well, that's amazing. Um, again, I think now, since every, everybody's virtual, you can just easily connect with those people that way. So I would say just do a quick search and see what you can find. Um, and again, finding people in your niche or your passion or whatever it is that you want to pursue um, is going to be the way that I think you're going to have the most benefit, either that or, again, locally because it's always great to be able to connect with other locals.
0: Now you talked about demographics. How do you go about narrowing down your demographic cuz I know everybody wants, oh I'm I'm here for everybody, you know. How do you go about I know a lot of bloggers have like this one particular person they actually name that they have in mind when they're writing a blog post. So, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, for me, so if you already have some sort of established uh, blog or business or something, take a look at your Google Trends and your analytics because that's huge. I feel like that's a lot of like, especially on Facebook or your insights, you can learn a lot about who's responding and engaging with your content from that. And that's actually, sometimes I, sometimes clients will come to me and they're like, our demographic is uh, men from 35 to 55 and then women from 18 to 21. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, can you send me your Google Insights, send me your Facebook, you know, and I'm like, so your social media says your demographic that's responding is actually women from 30 to 45. And they're like, Really? And I'm like, yeah. So even if it's a men's product or a women's product, so I definitely say take a look at that. Also, just do some straight research. Do some Google. And like, so like if you have a product, for instance, do some research to find out who's purchasing those products. There's so much information out there to, to learn. So much. Another way you could do too is if you have an internal database, meaning like you have a lot of friends and family and and colleagues that would be willing to share, maybe create like a survey monkey and say, here's my idea, here's my product, you know, interest level, et cetera. Ask your own questions and get your own insights back so you can learn. I think another thing is to, once you do learn your insights of who your demographic is, like who it actually is versus who you want it to be. If you want it to be something different, then think about a style. You might have to shift the way you're talking, or shift, uh, you know, your how you're promoting your services, or you might have to add on something or remove something if you really want to narrow it down. But I really think it's it's important to just go where the people tell you it is. Right? For, like for me, I, I I know my audience. It's seventy percent women, thirty percent men and it just is what it is but that's not to say i'm not i'm going to neglect the 30%. i'm just going to find ways to incorporate both and just continue to hopefully grow both of those segments. but i mean at the end of the day because i have such a predominantly female audience, that's my content will generally be predominantly like female centric just because it is what it is. i want to make sure they're getting what they, you know, what they want. so
0: and that's about your personal brand, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's talk about your business brand.
1: Yeah. So my, business, so, my business was interesting because of what I do, because of PR and because of my clients. My demographic is my client's demographic. So, it's not really mine. I mean, sure, I can go out there and, I, I mean, I guess if, if we were to talk about my personal, I'm sorry, my professional personal brand, as in myself being the owner of the business, then I would say a lot of, um, you know, women uh, entrepreneur kind of, um, Audience, I guess, just other females, like supporting other females, or anybody in the marketing, PR, advertising space in general. Um, but yeah, usually it's whatever my clients' um, demographics are are is is mine. Um, then again, I have a lot of supporters that just support me as a, as an individual, as a person, which is great too. So then, you know, even if they're not the target demo for my client, they always like to support me and whatever I'm doing, which is great. So it's a little bit more tricky when it comes to my clients because it's not really up to me to determine, you know, who their demo is.
0: So let's talk about influencers working with your clients. You know, what, how do you determine which influence influencers go with which, because I know you said demographics, but what else?
1: Yeah, so for for me, um, you know, because it's been interesting, because I'm on both sides of the coin, I've learned a lot about how to work well with influencers, being one on the micro side, and just also what they need and what they want, and to make it beneficial for both sides. And for me, you know, it's less about the numbers in terms of following and, and stuff like that, and really more about the content they're creating, and also about the engagement that, that we're getting. I would, hands down, much rather work with a blogger or influencer that I had 300 followers, but had like a 60% engagement. That's mm-hmm. I me mean that like more than half, because especially with the, um, the Instagram and actually social media and general algorithms, they throw everything out of whack. So if you're, if you know, if the majority of your audience is interacting authentically with you because they really like what you're putting out, they really like what you stand for, that's way more important to me and my client than someone who's got a hundred thousand followers and is getting like 40 likes and zero comments. Because to me, Hey, you've bought your followers. I'm I mean I can it mm-hmm. in two seconds. And you know, and I'm you know, no shame, no judgment, but brands are getting a lot more smarter these days, and I would much rather and, and it's so funny because too influencer is such a term now that's just so everybody's an influencer. Everybody's an mm-hmm. influencer, right? Like there are people just have that have friends that like there's that go to girl. Like, I have a friend I go to like if we when I was in Boston any of the new restaurants or different trendy cocktails, like she's it. It's just one of those, you know, so to me, that is more influential than someone even on social media that might have 5,000 followers, you know what I mean? I want to find the people that truly are the one who are influencing decisions in whatever it is for my clients, whether it's restaurants or whether it's a service, entertainment, that's to me, What influencers are these days, in addition to bloggers and social influencers, because you cannot count those out because those are equally important. But that's kind of what I look like, what I look at when I'm working with my clients and deciding who to work with.
0: Now, you mentioned social media algorithms. Let's talk about
1: that, because they seems like once you finally figure it out, they change it yeah i know well and at the end of the day that what's really sad is that they're changing it because they want to make money because social media is a business um for them and i think uh that's a really tough pill to swallow for a lot of us who have been spending years working on building our um following and building our audience and just to know that like 30 percent maximum is seeing our content is disheartening to say the least um i, I just it I try to let, sort of like lay the foundation for my clients or for anybody that I'm working with is like, listen, this is this is what it is. Also, my clients do that. I'll have clients come to me and they're like, all right, we need to be on social media. We need to be on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I'm like, whoa, time out. No, no, no. We're not going to do that because that's way too many. And like, just because they exist doesn't mean you have to be part of them. So also I think from the professional side, and this is no offense to anybody, but everybody thinks they're great on social. Oh, I can do it. I can I can Instagram. Sure. Yes, you absolutely can. Everybody can do it, but very few can do it well. That's because it's a business. There is a whole business side of things. People are going to school now, which is mind-blowing, but it's true. They're going to school for social media marketing. Like it's an actual like profession now. So that should go to tell you. It's not just about posting and just sitting back and Letting everything just roll in. There's, I mean, you know, I'm sure more than anybody, um, more than a lot of people, that it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. And you have to understand at least a little bit on the back end how the business side works, how the engagement works, how, you know, how it comes back to you. So people just don't realize that it takes a lot more than just posting or clicking like every once in a while if you really want to grow an authentic following. I mean I've been stuck for like two years now the <laughs> same following, but I also don't put a lot into it as much as I should, but
0: now do you handle the social media for your clients or do they do it
1: themselves? This is coffee by the way. It looks like it's a it is a wine tumbler, but it's coffee. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I know there'd be no judgment otherwise but just letting
0: you know. Yeah, they're no it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I do. I do offer social media for my clients. So it depends. Um, sometimes they hire um, individual agencies that just do social, or um, it's always great, I think, to be a one-stop shop. So um, I have a team that works on social as well. So in addition to myself, I've got two others that work on social media for my clients. So it depends. I always offer it because PR and social go hand in hand these days. And uh, I think some of the one of the biggest mistakes right now that any business we make is not making sure that those two are connected. So whether or not the same house or agency is managing both, which is ideal, um, they need to be communicating like constantly because PR and ideas and media can fuel social. Social can fuel mm-hmm. insights to PR. I mean, it just goes hand in hand. So that's always what I tell my clients. So it just depends on their needs. Some of them, they've got someone that handles it. And then I provide oversight. Sometimes they want me to just do everything, content creation, execution. We can do that as well. So there's different tiered levels. But again, PR and social, they gotta be lots of that in the days.
0: So, how do you stand out on social media so that people will see that you're unique that you're not just like every other brand?
1: Now yeah, you know that's tough. I think that the best thing you can do is just be authentic to who you are and and really find what really makes you happy and don't go with the trends for a while my on my personal side um, of my brand i I wanted I, I wanted to like showcase like cool things and like different like a variety of different things and like at the end of the day, the engagement wasn't there. But I would post a picture of myself doing something skyrocketed. And I'm like, I, I, I felt a little narcissistic, honestly, because I'm like, I don't want to just post pictures of myself just doing things or being me. But at the end of the day, I mean, I get the most engagement. I get the most DMs and comments and, 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 and traction when I'm posting myself with something. So what I've learned is like, okay, if I want to post this, gorgeous smoothie or whatever because I'm obsessed with it or whatever that case may be and not sponsored or sponsored. Um, I just need to be part of that so they can see that it's not just me behind or something. It's really me being part of it. I'm actually doing it. So for me, I kind of just went with it. And, again, just taking the time to create content that, that you feel proud of Um, and that you want to share with people for whatever that reason is. And I know it's crazy, but being authentic um, really is important. I try to do that, too, because, you know, you still on Instagram and everything's so beautiful and so beautiful. And yes, well, beautiful content is important. I try to, like, at least use my stories to be like the the raw, like, yeah, Uh behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Because I don't want people to think my life is perfect because it is the farthest thing from perfect. And I don't think anybody's is. So I think that's kind of important these days, too.
0: So how often should people post to social media then? Well,
1: you know, I think you ask people, industry people, and they're all tell you different things. Uh, I think different uh, techniques work for different people. I know um, one of the girls who's really successful here in Raleigh, she posts, like, I think once a day or once every other day. Listen, if you've got the content, the general, like, genuine good content, and you're able to post every other day or every day, excellent. Like, go for it. If you don't have the content to post, like frankly, I don't have the content to post. I'm not going to lie. I wish. I mean, there are some times where if I'm going on a trip or, or working on a, a client campaign or something, all of a sudden I've got like two and three posts. I'm like, oh my God, I need to share this. This is so good. I'll, I'll be able to schedule it out. But for me, like literally, if you look at my Instagram feed, sometimes I post like once a month and once every five weeks. But also I'm losing followers and, you know, it is what it is because I'm not as the active and engaged. And Instagram, for instance, or even Facebook, they're, they're machines. So the more that you post and the more that you engage, I mean, the more that they're going to show your content, right? But on the flip side, because of the algorithm, specifically on Instagram, I found that posting every day is actually difficult in the sense that by the time that someone sees one of your posts, it's actually the one from two days ago. And so your other one gets pushed. So I would say, based on what I understand about the Instagram, um, algorithm now, if you've got enough content to be posting like that, I would say post every, two to three days as opposed to every day again for the for the algorithm because it pushes your content up and i wish maybe someday they go back to the, the chronological like back in the day because that was totally mm-hmm. the best um and now it's just now you're at their mercy which is unfortunate but you gotta find ways around it i guess
0: yeah honestly i think if you follow too many people you don't get to see your friends content too totally
1: Totally. i know i'm i know and sometimes i'll think about somebody and be like oh my, I haven't even seen anything. on go search. I'm like, I've literally missed, what, five to seven posts. And I'm like, where are they? Because I'm on Instagram all the time. I'm on Instagram all day. It's, it's what it is. And so if you don't interact consistently, and like, not even just consistently, but like soon after they post, Instagram doesn't think that you're interested. So it just doesn't show you. It's like, it's so crazy that that, that they're making the decisions about what we want to see. But again, there's a business behind it because what they're saying is, Oh, if you want to see this or if you want people, your friends to see your content, you better put some money behind it. Then we'll show it to everybody you want. But you put money behind it once and they know that you've got money to spend. And it's almost like they won't show your post as much because they're going to wait for you to then say, I guess I got to put another, you know, 30 bucks behind this or a hundred bucks behind this. It's really, it's it's awful. (laughs) It's so awful. It really, really is. But nature of the beast.
0: So, should you put money behind it? Should you place ads to boost your content?
1: If no, starting out, no, I would say. So, personal—if you have a personal Instagram, not a business, never spend money because they will immediately. If you spend money on a, on a personal, again, um, if what I say that um to mean is the business. Uh, so, if you have like a business Facebook page, like we probably you probably have for uh-huh. your, I have for mine. So if you have a business page, that's one thing. Um, if, if you have a personal, just and a personal Instagram account, do not spend money because the minute you spend money, they're going to assume that you've got the money to spend and that you're willing to spend it, and they're going to stop showing your content. until you spend it again. On the business side, they've already assumed that it's part of your marketing spend, so they'll likely give you a little bit of a boost when you when you do show it, and they probably won't they won't not show it as much because they'll assume that it's part of your marketing spend at some point but really in general if you have not spent money on instagram and you're just looking to get uh exposure a little bit more i would just be very cautious about spending because again they they really penalize you now for spending um it's just unfortunate but it is a huge tool like facebook um advertising is a huge tool it's a beast in itself it's not something i offer frankly because it is so complex that I don't care to learn about it. I would leave that to somebody who does. Um, I focus. I focus generally on um, organic all the way. That's just. It's just a different beast. So, how do you
0: create new organic engagement?
1: So, to create for your own post, the way to get better organic engagement is to engage organically with everybody else. So, making sure that you're spending the time on the daily, like, uh, if you're able to, daily, like going through your feed, liking, authentically commenting, like not just like, um, you know, heart emoji, which is fine every once in a while, totally fine. But like, if you truly love something in your head, you're like, Oh, my God, that's so pretty. Just take the time. Oh, my God, that's so pretty and make a comment Mm -hmm. and following people engaging. So once you utilize that platform, Instagram is like, Oh, she's using this. We'll reward her for using our platform. So when you post, they, all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, she's been engaging. She's been doing it without even without even expecting anything back." So we're going to show her content to other people because she's doing a good deed. It's literally like there was like a Black Mirror episode. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like they have like these social counters. So like they would like they would specifically like buy coffee for a stranger because then they would get more points. And like but they were doing it so inauthentically because they knew they were getting points for it. It's kind of like that's how. Instagram has set it up, but so as much as you can stay authentic, it's engaging on the platform. It's utilizing the platform, making a story. You know, every so often, really using the platform so that it can reward you for using it. So then, in return, you get that engagement back. And I would say, also, when you before you're going to post on Instagram, here I'm talking about being authentic. But <laughs> before you before you post on Instagram, it's great to interact with the platform um, a little bit. So take the time half hour, an hour prior, jump on there, chat with people, maybe upload a story. Again, start to engage, start to rev that engine up. And then when you're ready to post, post it. And then make sure you're there's a window. I would say if you're able to for about an hour, stay alert and stay active. Like people are commenting on your post. same thing with Facebook as well. It, if they're commenting, respond to their comment. You should be responding to every single comment. Respond to everybody's comment. And the more you're keeping the conversation alive, the higher up. Facebook keeps you, and Instagram keeps you on the feed. So it's usually there's that window too. And even if that window has closed, of like an hour or so, I give or take. Keep don't don't forget everybody. Like even if they comment it, because again, it keeps bringing the conversation back up to the top. So it's really important to engage with your audience, like before, during, and after, just to keep again that that engine revving. That's you know, keeping it fueled.
0: And speaking of comments, we have a comment from Sandy Brandon author it says I find it hard to find a balance with posting. I also find I can post three things and then out of nowhere someone will ask a question that I've answered three times. So obviously folks aren't seeing my post. I just don't want to be annoying though. So
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's um I again, I just go back to if you feel like you want to post or have to post three times in a week, and you've got the content, and you feel like it's working for you. Great, but if you're finding that it's really only relevant to post, you've only got something on Mondays. Don't go crazy. I feel like there's just like this desire. Well, I gotta keep doing. It. I see all these people, and they're just post, post, post. But it, it's. I find that it's better to condense everything that you know, everything you want to say in this one post. It's super powerful. That can potentially answer the questions that people are asking in that post versus a mini post every other day with one tiny question because you're right the algorithm doesn't show everybody chronologically so someone might have missed that first post where you answered that main question and now they're getting a second post the next day from the other day but they're not going to it's likely they're not going to see the other post because like i said i think and i think that's generous but i think they say around 30 percent of your audience of your audience who already follows you is seeing it so that's the case you're it's they're never going to see your three posts in the order that you you've uh, shared them. They might see number two first, they might see number one, and they might see number three a week later. It's just, it depends. So I would say, if you're able to, condense it, post it once, get that piece of information out there, and then really engage with their community and allow them to see that post and to read and engage. But yeah, you're going to have people that'll scroll, double tap, scroll, and they're not even reading. Just part of it, I
0: guess. I know in Facebook, I have to go instead of and change my news feed to what people have commented on to the most recent, just to see what's
1: happening. I know. Like, I know. I don't want to know what happened a week ago. Come on. And also, I don't know if you've noticed too. Like, um, they'll say they on your post, they'll be like showing you the most relevant comments. Like, I'm sorry. What do you mean the most relevant? Show me all the comments. Why are you deeming what's relevant on my post? Oh drives me insane.
0: Or the newest comments and then then they hide some on um mobile. So you've got to go to desktop to see exactly what comments there are, even if it's on your personal page
1: or on your business page. I know. I know. It is really crazy. It's really crazy. It's so annoying. But this is the thing. I mean we've got to play ball, right? Like we wanna utilize a platform which actually is another is another kind of um, key piece that I'm, I'm trying to share with my clients as much as possible, is that if you have the ability to have um, a blog or your own platform, at the end of the day, I'm sure we've heard of it all before, but social media could go away tomorrow. And if it does, and that's where your audience is, and you've got nothing else, you don't have an email list, you don't have a blog or a website to house your content, guess what? You're starting back at zero. The work and the blood, sweat, and tears you just put into creating your brand that lives on social media and social media alone, well, best of luck to you because you're not getting it back. We're utilizing platforms that are not owned by ourselves. And our own platforms are the only ones we can utilize moving forward. So even if you share or promote on social media, totally fine. I do it myself. But I also I highly suggest having a house for your content that you that's just yours because again anything could happen and you don't want to get the mercy of someone else or another you know global conglomerate that can change things at any time
0: yeah because I know at the very beginning of the blogging blogger was really big people use blogger yeah. the host, all the time but they said Google owns your content so I'm like oh I'm gonna get out there as quick as possible because it's yeah. free but right you didn't ever want them to because I heard horror stories of Google shutting blogs down because they did not like the content and so Exactly. Yeah, you're really at
1: their mercy. When you don't own it, the platform that you're utilizing, you're at the mercy of them changing it up and showing it or not showing it or flagging it for inappropriate and you're like, What? Like what? You know? So yeah, you really are. So if you're able to, I you know, and and it 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 is an expense, but um it's a really small expense um compared to all things. And you don't have to make it crazy and beautiful, but like over time if you want to update it, it's what I did. I, I I created something pretty basic in the beginning and then over time as it kind of caught on. And I just like make some tweaks and you know update the logo, you know, and then you can do what you want. But even just to get a domain is like ten bucks for the year, and then the hosting site can be as little as fifty bucks, sixty bucks. It depends on what you're using. Obviously, it can be way more expensive than that, but um, definitely worth worth it if you're really looking for something long term in terms of building a brand, whether it's a personal brand or a professional brand.
0: Now let's talk of branding um, colors because I've noticed that you have a very specific colors in your mm-hmm. brand. And your aesthetic, when you go to your Instagram page, it's all pretty much the same kind of um, colors on the aesthetic. So is Mm -hmm. that important? That cohesiveness?
1: I, I absolutely think so. You know, I, I always go back to brands that are super iconic, like Coca-Cola. And that Coca-Cola red, for instance, you know it when you see it. And even the script font and like the Nike swoosh, that whole thing, the aesthetic of those brands, you know exactly intuitively. When you see that, you know exactly who it is. And even if you're a small brand, it's so imperative to make sure that you're really lining yourself up for the future. So even with my Instagram, you know, you definitely don't need to create an aesthetic on Instagram. But for me, you know, it's it's kind of like the modern day website, which I'm just here I am talking about. Don't put everything on you know, social media. Again, don't put everything on there. But it is sort of like an online portfolio. So for me, I want when people go to my Instagram page or my Facebook, I want them to get my vibe without even knowing who I am, because you'll be attracted to it, or maybe you won't. Um, but at least you'll kind of get a little bit of a flavor of what I'm doing and what kind of services I provide before you even like dive in. So yeah, I would always say too, like it's great to keep your color scheme to like three or less in general. And then everything you do, just make sure you're like using that color that ties back again. You're just creating that visual representation of your brand. You'll, you'll be able to talk about it later and you'll be able to type it out in your copy, but your logo and your brand colors are can potentially become iconic and everybody will recognize where they go. So yeah, it's, it's just, keeping it tight and cohesive. I think a lot of times too, even your fonts, just keeping whatever fonts you're using. So if you're using a header font, a subhead font, and then your like body copy, great. Just keep it simple. And then if you're going to keep iterating on different things, make sure those things are just staying the same. You can create a million and one pieces of creative and you can still use the same font. You can still use the same colors. Even if you're getting sick and tired of them, I'm telling you, it's actually good because the brain, once they see it, the more times they see it, the more times they're going to remember it. So,
0: so, how often should a company rebrand?
1: If you don't have to rebrand, don't. I mean, if you've got a great brand, then don't. But I mean, so I would say, um, oftentimes you see maybe three to five years in, they realize they might be they might have been just like a mom and pop in the beginning, and they're like, yeah, I'm using Comic Sans font. There's nothing wrong with that, but like you know, one of those very you know basic fonts everybody gets in there, and like they're looking to like maybe maybe they've kind of grown up themselves. So if they've grown up themselves, then it might just be time to, like, give them a little refresh. And I would say just be careful when it comes to rebranding. I think sometimes it's exciting. It's an opportunity. But if you stray too far from your original brand and you've got a great brand recognition and great brand loyalty, don't go too far. Because then people, again, it's like an intuitive thing. If you're going too far away, then people are like, "Wait, wait, what is this? am I getting the same thing or am I getting something completely different? You know, so you want to kind of keep it in the family if you will and just maybe give it like kick it up a notch or refine it. Like for instance, again, Coke, McDonald. I mean, every of the big brands have done that. If you look at the logo, like look at Apple, for instance, you'll see like, fifteen logos. you know, they just kind of each time, but it looks the same in the sense of like it's in the same family, but they just, they maybe like made it like a little circular and then they maybe like made it silver or they, you know what I'm saying? So like, yes, you can absolutely do that. But if you don't have to, and things are great, then just stick with it and own it.
0: See, cause I've actually thought about rebranding the blog side because, you know, it started out as being a deals coupon yeah. and now it's more lifestyle, but I'm like, I built my brand and I'm so scared that I'll, I'll lose following or I'll lose my rank in Google because of it.
1: Yeah, and you know what, so then, you know, instead of just changing it, just maybe add on or maybe shift um, in some of your messaging, like retool your SEO kind of like nuggets where you're still keeping in what's like made you who you are, but you're just adding on a little extra. Like even for me, I first started my blog and it was much more lifestyle focused and then I started doing a lot of travel stuff. So I just subtly added on lifestyle and travel blog, you know, it wasn't just lifestyle because it was before like kind of beauty and lifestyle and then I'm like... Actually, it's just so much more about, like, travel, too. So I just, like, whoop, threw that on there. And then I just started, like, weaving in more content with travel focus but still maintaining my others and then slowly start evolving that way. And then, you know, I think the people who are supporting you, though, are probably supporting you, like, through and through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, there are ways you can do that without completely – I think what where you would go wrong is if you completely changed your name, for instance, and didn't keep any of, you know, those elements. Because I think that would be important. And then even after you did that – so if you if you did that then maybe if you still have like a great foundation then you could maybe a couple of years down the line think about changing it but again if you don't need to I would say stick with what it stick I don't know stick with it as much as you can yeah you
0: said the big word SEO search engine op- optimization woo I can't even yeah. get the words a lot of people are still going around and around in their head fighting with that so
1: can you tell give us some insight
0: on that maybe a little bit
1: yeah i mean i wish i was an seo expert myself but so um but i have a lot to learn but um what i do know is that yeah seo is essentially how people find you that don't know about who you are so oftentimes on blogs and things like that there's back end stuff where you you know do seo so where you like write in um little blurbs with keywords so when someone types in i don't know about you but i literally google everything like everything you see. Google it's just ridiculous things i'm always like why is that blue? Like, just rant because I'm just curious. I'm like an information junkie. I just love to know things. So, so if I, so I'm like, okay. Sometimes I want to know about like blue desks that are round. I'll write round blue desk right there. Those are keywords. So if a, if like a furniture retailer is smart, they'll know. They'll, they'll pull those keywords and use them for their SEO. So what so what happens is when I search that, theirs comes up right in the in the front. So for, for social media, so it's funny. So Instagram. It's not, you can't use SEO on Instagram. It's just not that kind of tool. Facebook, however, it is that kind of tool because you're able to write long form stuff. So, but however, Instagram's SEO is kind of like hashtags. So the SEO for Instagram is like hashtags. That's how people can find you and search you is through those hashtags. Whereas Facebook, you can actually use keywords. So Facebook and Pinterest, Pinterest is a massive SEO generator. Pinterest is almost like Google in the sense. And I actually have not spent as much time as it probably should on Pinterest in terms of the business side. But I do know that it's a huge, huge tool. So you've got a Pinterest platform. Don't worry about the hashtags as much as not. Pinterest, when it first came out, um, kind of everyone thought it was like a social networking kind of thing, like Facebook, Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's much more of of a generator, like a Google, an SEO generator. So writing out and making sure those buzzwords they call them buzzwords so anything that's going to be relevant for someone searching so if you're writing a post about the best uh, the best um desks for a small uh, workspace or something think about the words that people are searching right now probably at home uh offices in home offices uh, uh covid uh, you know, literally those words. So if you're able to weave in those words to your copy or, but again, in an, in an authentic way, so it doesn't super weird, but finding those buzzwords to connect is going to allow other people to find you to find your content. And in some cases, if you've got budget, um, it might be worth uh, investing in Google, um, in in Google advertising, they do ad words and SEO generation on that side. Again, totally different beast. I don't know it, the ins and outs of it, but I do know that it's very successful. I mean, there's digital marketing agencies out there that will be so excited to work with you on that end. Um, but yeah, so it's always for, on the on the most basic side is making sure those buzzwords that people are thinking about and looking for um, are in there um, in your copy as much as possible, just to get new viewers to your pages.
0: Now you mentioned hashtags on Instagram. That's a whole nother Definitely,
1: pretty much how much time do you have no <laughs> <laughs> well there's a whole hashtag strategy um that you can put in place and that's you know agencies like myself that's what we're here for in general though when you're using hashtags they are they can be amazing in fact if if you can use them right like sometimes i'll see on my post 75 percent of people saw my post that wasn't fun fo- that weren't following me and i'm like Geez, Okay, great. Those hashtags work. So what you want to find is a make sure your hashtags are relevant to whatever your content is that you're posting. Also do a little bit of research. So I actually have a notes in my phone section. So I'll break it down. So if I'm posting a piece of home content, a piece of cocktail content, I've got hashtags already like ready to go for different pieces of content to to fit different audiences. So what you'll want to do is you'll want to find and search hashtags. You can search hashtags just so you can search any other accounts um in Instagram. So before you post, I just do a little search, spend a few minutes, go through just search um start start by something basic, so like cocktails or like cocktail of the day. And like below that, you'll see all these suggested hashtags. Click through them and see how many hashtags have been used. So my rule of thumb is if you can find hashtags that have like around 300,000 uses or lower, those are the best ones to use because it's going to be people a lot of people are using them, but not so many that like, you're going to get lost. So something like if you just hashtag cocktail or hashtag makeup, it's going to be used like 6.7 million times. And the likelihood of someone scrolling or you getting on that explore page is just zero. I mean, 0.1% probably. But if you're using something that's slightly unique, but still being a lot of usage out of it, you're much more likely to get discovered. So if you take a little bit of time, even 500,000 or less, I mean, you're really getting getting up there, but you can use, I believe, 30 hashtags in any one comment or your post or whatever. I, I just, from the perspective of looking cleaner, I usually add the first comment as all of my hashtags so that it's not in my post itself, but it's all personal preference. Some people keep them, some people put some dot dots and they come below. It really just is, is personal preference, but it, when it comes to searching for hashtags, that is the strategy I use as much as possible. Then make sure also, like if you're local and you want to be discovered locally, make sure you're using your local hashtags. Like, you know, southern bloggers and Raleigh bloggers, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and have fun with it and keep using, keep, you know, you can even, cho- like if you want to create a hashtag for your own content, that's cool too. Because then you get to see, you know, someone can go to your hashtag and see all your content right there. Or you can encourage everybody else to use your hashtag. And again, it's trackable and it's a lot of fun to be able to see how that can catch on too. Yeah,
0: because I use hashtag chats from the block cabin on Instagram because I just want to yeah. see who's doing it. Right. So let's talk about. We want to give some of your clients some um, some recognition. So talk about some of the
1: clients that you work with. Sure. Um, so I got an awesome client that are based in Wilmington um, called Rose water. You actually know them. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to have that uh-huh. on um, chats uh-huh. in a couple weeks. Um, Rosewater is. Is exactly what it sounds like. It's dry rosé and sparkling water. Um, that's it, and it's awesome and amazing, and it's incredibly innovative. And um, these guys are really cool. They are—they've created this wine water category, and um, there's several other iterations coming down the line. I can't share that now, and hopefully, um, maybe they'll share a little tidbit with you um, in a few weeks. But yeah, that's amazing. It's so fun. They—they um, have a, it's a proprietary blend of dry rosé from um, France. And uh, they ship it over and mix it with sparkling water that comes directly from the Austrian Alps, which is arguably one of the cleanest water sources um, in the actual world. So it's an incredibly light, refreshing beverage. Mm-hmm. Nine calories, uh, no sugar, nothing artificial. Which, if you know, I mean, if you're a fan, I mean, I'm guilty too of you know some of the seltzers out there. They all have artificial, you know, unless they naturally derived ingredients. Nothing is natural. It's all artificial. It's not real. Um, but. Yeah, this is completely clean. Um, you know, you can't call alcohol healthy, but it's arguably one of the healthiest um, currently out there. So, Rosé Water is definitely one. Um, another one of my clients is Urban Axes. They're an indoor axe throwing facility. We actually have one in Durham here, um, and then we were opening one in Raleigh. It's still TBD now because of the whole. Uh-huh craziness, um, but we've got eight locations across the country. Um, and they were actually the first indoor axe throwing uh, recreational facility in the US, which is great. So uh, they've been a long time trying to mine, and that's always fun. Um, so people who think that they're so bad, they come in and they actually kill it. So it's a lot of fun if you have a chance. And um, yeah, the majority, I believe, all of the locations um, except for Houston and Boston right now have reopened safely, obviously, during social distancing and masks, and um, they have limited capacity. But it's a lot of fun, especially when you in the house, so it's a good time just to kind of get out there and get rid of some of that stress, get some bullseyes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, and then I'm actually, I have another client that I'm on the verge of signing. It's actually a local, two local restaurants here in Raleigh. I can't share any information yet, but. It's really exciting. I can't wait. It's going to be really um, big for for me here in Raleigh, for for the agency, but also um, the opportunity is really excellent. And they've got a great reputation, and I'm excited. So I'll have to share more about them.
0: But. Yeah, maybe you'll have to come back on to share more about yeah. that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but this it's it's um yeah it's been crazy. So a lot of my clients when I first um you know when I first started my business I I was like really into all things lifestyle and all things like entertainment and in person and things you can do and activities and who would have thought that um, this would have happened? That that COVID would have happened because I lost all but one of my clients at the time. I'm slowly getting them back now because they're slowly being able to reopen. But you know, mm-hmm. having being in the hospitality and um, entertainment space, uh, they're the two of the you know oh, and travel too. My gosh, and travel. So being in those three industries, they were the hardest hit industries of this whole thing. So it's been really tough on them, and obviously it's been tough on me. But You know we're all just hanging in there and slowly things are starting to to come back to life so i'm really happy for them um and myself but just for life in general for all of us it's, it's been crazy
0: so how did you pivot for covid then to stay above order
1: yeah you know i just focused on doing a lot of the things that i hadn't been doing on just a lot of the brand building even on my own um and i did dabble in some products some more products because you know, in alcohol, for instance, Rose Water, um, it's been a blessing because they have been thriving. I mean, th- throughout this situation, um, the majority of their sales come from off premise. So, um, the if you're in wine stores, you can get them at like, your, your Wegmans, you know. So, that's been amazing, thankfully, um, because people, alcohol sales were up, you know, what, 600 and something percent. <laughs> so, but that was great. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I was just taking the time to, I also took the time to like just chill, honestly. Um, I've been, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in the situation that I am. Um, and I just took the time to just kind of relax and just whoo, get myself together, because I was on the go for a long time there, um, really just like not taking the time to just take a second for myself. So I did that. And then I finally picked myself back up. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. So then I just started focusing a little bit more on the product side. On the PR side, um, product versus uh, like storytelling, uh, sort of experiential, I should say, mm-hmm. completely different PR. Um, so I love the experiential stuff because I love the storytelling and I love like those mm-hmm. kind, of in-depth kind of pieces and doing the in-person events and the, you know. So it's been a change, um, definitely, to kind of pivot myself. But it's it, thankfully it's an easier change. I can go to the product side super easy. Um, it's just I, I I definitely miss the experiential side. So I really hope that um, soon we'll be able to get back up there safely and start doing some yep. something.
0: Now talking about product side, you have a podcast launching tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Tell okay. me about that. Tell me about how it
1: started, how it yeah, started. Um, I originally started my blog back in 2017 with the goal, like I said, of just telling stories that just weren't told. There's just so many out there, and it's so cool. So I started doing these video segments. Again, I have a background in television. So I'd be doing this video segments. I'd be posting them. And honestly, if anybody has been in television or has done any type of work in video, I mean, you can spend six or eight hours on a piece that's like a minute long. You're like, Okay, so I was like I quickly realized like, oh my gosh, I love this, but like honestly I just don't have enough time in the day. And so um, then I went to just writing and honestly it's crazy because either, even though I'm a blogger, I never really enjoyed writing. And it, it was funny because like a lot of my job too is writing. I don't I'm like not one of those people that like super enjoys writing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um I've been thinking about doing a podcast because podcasts for me, I listen to podcasts all the time, like all day, all the time. I just love podcasts. And for me, I like to be able to listen and do other things like whether i'm cleaning or anything so but then i realized like video is still really huge right now and i could I, I realized that i could record a podcast via video like this and still get that video piece for those who like to watch because again a lot of people are home and really looking for that content to consume on a different level then i can also have the audio so i put a call out there to my audience on instagram and i was like "Okay, right, guys this is what i want to do what do you guys think and the majority of people said video actually and I'm like here I am thinking I just want to do a podcast it's gonna be so cool and then the majority said video and then more than half of those people dm'd me and was like you know what why don't you just do both and I'm like okay so it's actually really exciting because it's not as super labor intensive as I was doing before on the video side but it does give people a chance to see me and interact with guests like this and then I'll be uploading similar to what you do the audio version will go up to the podcast. So again, it's just yeah, sharing stories of people from across the country. I've already had some really awesome interviews of small business owners and entrepreneurs um, from all over uh, the U.S. right now doing some really cool things. So I'm excited to just chit chat with them and share their stories. Um, it's always just super fascinating for me to see you know how people got started doing what they do and what they love to do. So yeah, first episode is that
0: tomorrow. So it's more about business owners and how they got started. That's
1: the focus around it. Yeah, it's more of like an origin story podcast because again, I've always been fascinated with how people got to where they are, and like a lot of times too, like it's just it's it's just not like for me. I was never it. I was never planning on being a business owner. I, I, that was not a dream. You know, some people some people are like they want to be. You know, they want to own their own business when they're like five. Oh my god, no. I was that was never in my vernacular at all. Um, So for me, I always got fascinated with, like, how did that even happen, right? Because I know how it happened for me, and it's super weird and crazy and cool in its own right. And so I always want to know, like, wait a second, did you always want to do this? And some people always did want to do that. But then you find out in the middle, like, some crazy things happen along the way. And it's really about perseverance, and it's about inspiration and innovation. And for me, that's what gets me going. Um, There's something about hearing other people's stories and uh, the intricacies around it that really, like... I don't know it's inspiring to me, and so I feel like if it's inspiring to me, it's probably inspiring to some other people. So, um, yeah, that's the plan for the pod. So, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun, though. It's not gonna be serious. It's not gonna be like you know, maybe some is some. It might be a little bit more serious in some topics, but we're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna laugh and and uh, maybe cry. I don't know.
0: What? Can you give us a sneak peek of what the first episode's about?
1: Uh, yeah, so the first episode actually highlights um, a local entrepreneur here in the Raleigh area. So she's so awesome. I've known her for a while now. And uh, she also uh, similarly kind of pivoted uh, during COVID and is now sort of expanding on something she's, she's been doing for years. But um, didn't, I don't know, just like didn't, everyone's been like, you need to be doing this. And she's like, OK, cool, yeah, I know. And it just hasn't because life, you know? Um, and now she has, and it's incredibly successful got some really cool stuff um so yeah it's a, it's a really fun chat with her and i so i'm really excited about that so i'll so all the the podcasts will be uploaded on apple podcasts and spotify you know all the podcasting platforms and then the behind the scenes uh video segments will be going up on my blog courtesy i'll also include the audio portions as well so for people just want to listen or who want to watch but yeah it'll be a fun one and then i got I already have. Uh, there's a lot of really fun stuff coming up. Um, yeah, I think the next one is uh, an entrepreneur based in Miami and I've got someone based in Chicago, Arkansas. So yeah, some really cool stuff. I think people will really like it.
0: Yeah. It's amazing what COVID makes people you know, pivot. because <laughs> I used to hate to be in front of the camera or even li- be talking. I always like let my words speak through the type, you know, the blog, no. but now look at what I'm doing.
1: It's amazing. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the most beautiful things I've I've seen out of this whole like, frankly, disaster um, is that the people are just branching out and you trying new things. And I also think that um, people are humanizing small businesses and entrepreneurs more than they ever have. I think a lot of times we realize that oh yeah, that store owner or that owner oh she's local, cool. Or oh that restaurant, oh that person they put everything they like oh that's so cool. But now like for the first time we're like whoa, that's actually like. So and so, my neighbor, or so and so, you know, we're just we're we're just humanizing it a little bit more, and I think it's really beautiful. And I see a lot of people out there supporting other entrepreneurs and business owners and local business and restaurants, and it's really great. So uh, it's always devastating to see something like this, like really really difficult bad situation, but it's really beautiful to see what can come out of it, and and that's kind of what I'm just trying to focus on is what's coming out of it, in the positive.
0: Yeah, I want to thank you for joining us today, because I mean you. Gave me a lot to think about, a lot to think about. So now I'm oh, going to go back and think about saving my hashtags, like you said, and then engaging and making sure, like going on and engaging, like the half hour or so before you post. I never right. even thought about that. Yeah, it's an engine. You got to fuel
1: that engine. I know it's crazy, but yeah. Well, good. I'm so glad that you found it helpful too. That's awesome. So tell everybody where they can find you at. Sure. So on Instagram, you can find me. It's just at Courtney Osgood, my name. On Facebook, uh, my pers- personal, personal uh, my blog page is courtesy of court so backslash courtesy of court courtesycourt com. Um, my business CKO PR I believe CKO Public Relations on Instagram. But if you go to my page, you can see it. Um, I link it right in my bio. Um, yeah, or you can just Google my name. I feel like I'm so public, insanely weirdly public now, but it just is what it is and. Yeah, but yeah, if you just Google, you'll find find all my platforms. But yeah, I mean, I encourage anybody to connect with me. And I also, um, on the professional side, too, I do offer strategy sessions one-on-one, and we can do them via Zoom. Um, They're super easy. And uh, if anyone's looking to get some, like, really dedicated, like, one-on-one time, um, it's not a one-size-fits-all, so I'm going to ask you for a bunch of stuff. But if you want to do some work sessions with me, I'm doing those. I did launch that also during COVID, just to kind of make myself a little bit more accessible to people that are looking to get some, you know, dedicated one-on-one help.
0: That way they're they're not tied into a long term contract, but they're still oh, getting some public yeah. relations. So I love that. Yeah. And it's a one time like it's a one
1: time cost that's pretty discounted. Um, and then yeah, if we need more time and you want to book another session, awesome. But if you just want to dive into something super specific, like, hey, I need, you know, social media, I need to like get on this or I need to like whatever or hey, I need help in rebranding or whatever that is, we will dig in. Um and yeah, so it'll be a definite like in depth work session. So they're doing their one hour bookable sessions you can find um all that on cklpr.com All
0: right. Thank you Courtney for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Wow. This podcast in live was so informative. I actually ended up talking to Courtney at least 10 to 20 minutes after we got off from recording this, picking her brain on things for Chats for the Block Cabin. I cannot wait to listen to her podcast, Privacy um, of Court, because I know it's gonna be as amazing as she is. So many tips about Instagram and Facebook and social media and building your brand and starting your business and about rebranding. Oh my gosh, guys. This it was an amazing chat. I will admit that I was a little nervous going into this chat with Courtney because we didn't really have a set talking points. Like when I get ready to go in and do a podcast or a live, I send out the links and then I also send out, "Hey, you know, these are some talking points. I don't send out questions. Never do questions. But I do send out a few talking points that I want to hit on." this time I let Courtney lead I let Courtney lead and she came back and she gave me her talking points and said this is what we could talk about we could talk about this we could talk about that she she offered to even talk about PR because I'd already had Melinda Jackson on about PR but she says if you want to talk about PR we can do it but I felt like that we needed to do something a little bit different and this was definitely different The branding, the social media algorithms, everything you could possibly think about when you're wanting to build a business, it's there. So honestly, folks, this episode is a must, must, must listen to. If you missed the episode with Melinda Jackson, it's actually one of the most listened to episodes. It's episode 45, so if you want to talk, listen about PR and then piggyback and listen to after you've listened to this episode to piggyback on and learn some more things, then you need to go to episode 45 as well. If you've missed it, thank you so much for being part of the blog chats from the blog cabin podcast and family. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast um, and leave a rating and review. Cause that helps me out. It helps the podcast be seen by more people. And it also helps me in turn to get more people on the podcast so that we have some more interesting guests. I am working on a few guests right now, which I cannot wait to share with you. Hopefully I'm not jinxing it yet, but it's going to be a big one. It's going to be one of the ones that, on my dream list. I've already got Nikki Cozyars on and yes, you know, she was on episode 44 and she was my dream guest. But now I've made a bigger, bigger, bigger dream guest list and this person, these couple people that I've reached out to are on the list. So I cannot wait to share what they say so leave a rating a review subscribe to chats from the blog cabin i want you to have a great rest of your day be blessed and remember keep chatting hey y'all if you know me in real life you know that what you see is what you get i'm pretty authentic But you'll also hear me say how much I love supporting worthwhile causes and people. I feel like support, that's basically where you put your money, is the most powerful tool that the internet has to offer. And it gives you a voice to your dollars. The cool folks at Anchor have made a way for you to support your favorite podcasts such as Chats from the Blog Cabin. If you're in the U.S., you can visit my podcast profile on desktop or mobile browser to give a little monetary support each month. Whatever you can afford, basically. If you do want to donate, it will be greatly appreciated. So go to my page, Chats from the Blog Cabin. You can find my page at anchor.fm/chats from the Blog Cabin. I'll do my best to pay it forward through content and giving back.